This is Jerry Boys Jr., Cleveland Browns left tackle, and you're listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Black Lions. Welcome back to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast presented by Sip Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar, and today with me, I'm back with my co-host, Jack Vandemotter. Welcome back, Jack. How are we doing, people? I'm glad to be back uh, recording an old-fashioned episode. I like how we say old-fashioned now, but just you and me today, and I'm looking forward to talking about a little Browns. Yeah, it's been a bit of a while. We took a bit of a hiatus just to get refreshed, but we're back into it, so let's get into this episode. Jack, we have a Browns off-season update episode. I feel like this was kind of needed just because so much has been happening with nothing happening with the Browns. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, there's nothing really happening, but yet there's so much speculation and things that we can talk about. Really, in this update, we're just focusing on, you know, things that the Browns are going to have to look at in the future. So free agency, talk a tiny bit about the draft at the end. And some other things uh, like Jarvis and Odell's contracts and, and Baker's contracts. But without further ado, I say we hop right into it with one of the most talked about players in last over the last couple of days in J.J. Watt. Yeah, so J.J. Watt got cut by the Texans. And it wasn't a huge surprise as his production kind of slipped last year and he was making big money this year in Texas. But he's still a great player, Jack. And with these stats, we'll say, like, He's he could be a really really valuable add to a team and a, a huge asset that the Browns could possibly add. And Ed Werder actually reported today that JJ was looking like his top three priorities with a new team was one a QB, two supporting personnel, and three money. And I couldn't think of a better place than Cleveland for JJ Watt in those circumstances. Yeah, so PFF actually predicted J.J. Watt to the Browns on a two-year, $25 million deal. I, I honestly think the deal might be a little bit more than that as far as money is concerned. That's about, they're predicting, I think, what, 12, $12.5 million a year. I think he'll probably probably be looking for something more around 14, 14 15 in that range. But I think the biggest thing with this J.J. Watt situation, just the, the Browns, like you said, they fit all of his wants so well, right? You got a young quarterback you got supporting personnel the browns we all know are super talented um and and then they proved that they could win i think that was the other thing that maybe he didn't even mention was i mean the dude wants to win he wants a ring obviously and the browns are in a position where they're only a couple moves away from being legitimate contender so i mean as far as every everything on on his wants are concerned we really the browns really checked the box more than i'd say almost the other team yeah, I mean, if you look at the other teams that are in contention for him, Jack, they just really don't have the money to sign him. Starting with the Green Bay Packers, his hometown team, they're negative 13 in cap. The Steelers are negative 15 in cap. Then you go to Tennessee, who has like 1.3 million cap, and the Bills, who have 3 million cap. So that's just not going to be able to get it done. They would have to make some bigger moves with getting rid of some salary if they really did legitimately want to add JJ so you don't go over that cap. The Browns are in a good position because right now they're ranked 13th in the league in cap space with $23 million, which obviously isn't a lot and it doesn't feel a lot compared to previous years where we've had like $75 million and led the league and we're just able to throw money at guys like Kenny Britt. But, I mean, the Browns still have the advantage here where they can give Watt the most money and where they can fulfill that need for him and give him a winning team, a good quarterback, 
and like we saw this past year in an amazing culture yeah you know i think it's interesting to note that if we did bring in jj watt it'd be on a probably a one or two year contract you couldn't really bring him in on a 14 million dollar contract over the span of maybe three years or so because obviously we have some big contracts coming up with baker and chubb and the rest of our our, our players our young young core so it would probably be a, a shorter term deal and we might still have to make a move even if it is only a one or two year deal, because let's say JJ Watt takes up 14 million of that 23 we have left. That's in then you, you're going to have to add maybe account for seven to 8 million for the incoming rookie class. So you're really only left with a couple, couple million left after all that. And you still have other positions that need addressed linebacker safety and, and the on. So, so, you know, you still probably have to do some finagling. It wouldn't be a perfect uh, situation, but, I would, I would personally love to see J.J. Watt in the Browns uniform next year. Yeah, and we'll talk about it more just with the defensive end position and addressing that. But one way that the Browns could release some cap money is by potentially moving stars Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham Jr. Odell is making $15.7 million this year. And counting this year, he has three years, $45 million left on his deal. I, don't, I personally don't want to see Odell leave but it's something that's very possible that Andrew Barry could kind of pull the trigger on. Yeah, before everyone freaks out, we're not, you know, lobbying for the Browns to cut Odell or or cut, you know, Sheldon Richardson. We'll talk about him in a second. But it is something to just make note of. I think Jarvis and Odell, like you said, are both around $15 million. That could obviously save a lot of space. Odell is probably the more likely candidate to get either moved or cut or whatever it is, just because, you know, of his, his limited impact so far with the Browns. However, I think the front office really wants Odell here and really wants to see him succeed at Cleveland. So I don't, I don't expect these moves to be made, but you know, that would open up a, a fair amount of cap space. Another guy is Sheldon Richardson, who you could save 12 million in cap by moving on from. But again, Similar to that Odell situation, he's kind of an essential piece. You don't really want to get rid of Sheldon because then you're just opening up another hole in that defensive tackle position. Yeah, and the Browns are going to be really thin right now with the defensive tackle position because you have like veteran Larry Ogunjobi who's on the market. You have our boy Vincent Taylor who's on the market. Hashtag bring back VT. You, I mean, the Browns just don't have the depth there right now to cut someone like Richardson. And Richardson played a huge role not only on the field last this like past year but he was a big leader of the defense he was vocal and that would be i mean like obviously 12 million is a lot and the browns could definitely use it that could be a year of jj watt's salary but you need richardson there you need him there in the middle of the line he i mean he was a stalwart for us this year and i i really don't think he would do it and then just going back to jarvis real quick jack he has 14.7 on his deal this year, and counting this year, he has two years, 31 million left. So him and Odell are carrying a lot. A lot of people are getting on the Browns front office saying, you can't put so much money into the wide receiver position, especially when the Browns run the ball so much. But I just don't think that it would benefit the Browns on the field-wise by cutting either of those two, because we've seen how great of a player Jarvis is both on and off the field, and we know what Odell can do when he's healthy. So I really don't want to see either of them get cut, but like you said, it's certainly a possibility, and at the same time, we're not lobbying for it either. Yeah, I don't want to talk too much more about this just because it's all hypothetical, but I do think Odell 
cutting Odell makes the most sense or, or moving let's say trading Odell we probably wouldn't cut him just because you could you could go out and get a guy that's cheaper and maybe just as effective you know I, I, don't, I don't know exactly who's on the market that would be a cheaper option but you can you can get guys like I think a Brashad Perryman type player right like you remember him a couple of years ago he really had a big impact for the Browns and, and I mean he's you know he's in pennies so you could save some money by maybe downgrading Odell, but that's that's really the only thing that I see as far as those three. I don't see us moving on from Jarvis or Richardson. Moving on, let's let's talk a little bit about the defensive depth because I think everyone knows that defense is our biggest priority this offseason. Yeah, so hopping over to the other side of the ball, the Browns obviously had a lot of problems on the defense this past year, and... Last offseason, Andrew Barry signed a lot of defensive free agents, but the majority of them were on one-year deals. So he has a ton of holes to fill. And this especially includes defensive end, cornerback, safety, and linebacker, which is almost every position on the defense, which is kind of funny. But obviously we talked about J.J. Watt, and I just really wanted to add real quick that J.J. Watt has suffered some injuries over the past couple years. Even if you bring in J.J. Watt... After that, the only defensive end on this roster is Adrian Claiborne. Porter Gustin's a free agent. If the Browns even add J.J. Watt, I don't think their business is done at defensive end, Jack. I think they have to go add another free agent or two and really bolster the depth of that position. Yeah, if they did add another free agent, I wouldn't expect it to be a big name. It'd be a Porter Gustin type, right? Like an under-the-radar guy. You know, I guess the Browns were in a similar situation this year with Olivier Vernon, right? Because Vernon, you know, he's battled injuries the last few years as he's gotten a little bit older. So I don't think it's anything that would be tremendously different, to be honest, if you subbed Watt for Vernon. Obviously, you you hope that Watt can stay healthy. But but no, that's a a very good point, though, that the the Browns both in in not even just defensive end, but defensive tackle, like... That they'll be making a lot of moves, and I could, I wouldn't even be surprised to see them draft uh, a defensive lineman, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that could be our first-round pick. It could be a high second-round pick. You just really need that depth at the defensive end position because we've seen how fast those players can go down, especially with Garrett and Vernon last year. Moving on to cornerback, the Browns had a lot of depth issues at cornerback this past year with Denzel Ward getting hurt and getting COVID. You had Kevin Johnson getting hurt. Terrence Mitchell was a soldier out there, but he's also a free agent along with Kevin Johnson. Grady Williams missed the entire season with nerve damage in his shoulder, so we don't know if he'll even be back. If he is back, how well can he play? The Browns really need to go out of corner, whether it's through the draft or through free agency or even a trade. Yeah, for sure. We've mentioned on our Twitter guys like Richard Sherman you know, and plenty more. That, that are, Mike Hilton is another one Marshawn Lattimore would have to trade for. But the Browns need corner cornerback. I mean, secondary is, is one of the most important positions, and especially quarterback, cornerback, excuse me, um, is one of the most important positions on the defense. And, I, like, I love Denzel Ward, but he has not been a model of perfect health so far in his career. And, and like, if you're going to be contender, I feel like you have to have one – real shutdown corner at all times. So if, if Denzel Ward goes down, you got to have a guy who can at least step up, right? You're not going to have two shutdown corners, but at least step up. And that was something that the Browns didn't have when Denzel wasn't playing or wasn't playing his best. So 
I really do feel like cornerback is another very important position of need. And like I said last time, again, like even though linebacker seems like our glaring need, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Browns take a cornerback in the draft either. You know, moving on to safety, who's which, which is also a position in that secondary, really similar situation. You got Grant Delpit, who was injured. Carl Joseph, who was on that one-year deal, he's a free agent now. Sendehu, you know, has not really proven that he's super reliable, and he's a free agent as well. So the Browns have a lot of decisions to make in that secondary. Yeah, so just regarding these three positions, the Buccaneers didn't have a great secondary this past year. They didn't have, like, a superstar corner. They didn't have a lockdown corner. They didn't have a lockdown safety. Their defensive line was great, though. They were the best in the league after getting after the quarterback. And that first time they played the Chiefs, the Chiefs threw all over them, but the Bucs didn't get any pressure. And you guys saw in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes was running the whole time. He had no time to spare in the pocket. And Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey did virtually nothing in that game. So you don't have to have these huge lockdown corners when your pass rush is like that. But if the Browns can really balance a good pass rush and some good corners, then you're talking about a really, really good defense here. And they need to go at a good corner. They need to get at some depth. And whether that's through a draft or a trade, I think it's absolutely essential for them to do that this offseason. And again, you have to do that with safety too because we saw the struggles that the safeties had, especially with injuries too. Ronnie Harrison was hurt at a point. Carl Joseph was hurt at a point. Even our star, Andrew Sandejo, was hurt at a point. And you just have to keep adding that depth there. And it'll be of utter importance for Andrew Barry to address that. Yeah, so one thing that you didn't mention with the Bucks, yeah, their defensive line is ridiculous, but they also have a really good linebacker core with Levante David, Devin White, and I think Shaquille Barrett plays outside linebacker, but he's more of a defensive end. But either way... And that, that kind of brings me to this next position that we're going to talk about, in, in which kind of has a weird, weird like aura in the Browns front office. Like, I don't know how, to, how they think of linebacker, and I'll let you talk a little bit about that. But linebacker might be our biggest position of need out of all of the positions that we just mentioned. Yeah, I, I definitely think it is our biggest position of need, but... I don't think the Browns are going to address it as our biggest position of need, if that makes sense. I don't think Andrew Barry and Joe Woods really value a linebacker in the system. They had opportunities to go out and get linebackers in the draft and free agency last year. They could have addressed it with Joe Schobert, but I kind of think that was good that they let him walk. But and I don't think Andrew Barry cares. And I, I people, So many people are expecting us to take a linebacker at 26. They're expecting us to get a linebacker in the first round. But I really, really would not be surprised if the Browns did not take a linebacker. They made smaller moves at linebacker last offseason with B.J. Goodson and Malcolm Smith. Both of those guys are free agents. I wouldn't mind bringing back either of them, but obviously that's not a star linebacker core with Taki Taki and Wilson and Phillips. And then, I mean, obviously you could go back and add Smith and Goodson. But right now you're really just sitting at Mac Phillips, and Taki Taki, which is a really, really young linebacker core. And you'd be asking a lot for those three to step up and kind of cover a whole season for you. I definitely think the Browns need to go out a veteran linebacker, a good middle linebacker that can kind of command this defense and call the plays for the defense. But at the same time, 
I I really don't see Barry addressing it because him and Woods have kind of gotten by without using or signing a big linebacker. So, all right. I, well, the first thing that I want to say is that I think the best example of Barry's, you know, lack of or the the unimportance that he places on linebacker. Really, you can see it in last year's draft. In the third round, I mentioned this to you. Zach Vaughn out of Wisconsin was on the the board, and he was kind of he was kind of falling a little bit. I think I thought he was pretty clearly the best linebacker available. He fell right into our lap, and the Browns traded out of the pick to the Saints, and the Saints ended up taking Zach Vaughn in our draft position, and that that really showed me that linebacker wasn't you know on their first you know the front of their their minds. So. I, I will say that, but I also, I disagree with one thing in that, like, I do think the Browns will address linebacker in some capacity because, you know, you said they've gotten by, but they really haven't gotten by without that, that dominant linebacker because their defense was not good last year. So look, do I expect them to go, you know, bring in some huge name linebacker? Do I expect them to even, I mean, they might not even draft, like you said, I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't draft a linebacker with their first-round pick. But I do expect them to address linebacker in some sort of capacity because, I mean, they're going to have some problems if they cannot, you know, if over that middle of the field. Yeah, that's what I was sort of saying. Like, I don't think they'll address it in a huge way. I definitely think they'll pick up someone through the draft, even though it won't be in the first round. And I definitely think they'll bring in a veteran or two to come help like they did with Smith and uh, Goodson last year. The other thing is, in this division, it would be nice to have a good middle linebacker, outside linebacker, that could spy on a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. You saw how quarterbacks ran down the middle of the field this past year. It was awful. A quarterback could run for 10 yards versus the Browns. If Maybe if there was a spy on Henny at the end of that Chiefs game, maybe they would have gotten him and stopped him from getting a 14-yard rush. The Browns need a guy that can plug the middle of the field there and watch the quarterback so they don't run and that's something that they really really struggled with this past year yeah 100 all right let's talk a little bit about baker's contract so baker will be a free agent next year correct me if i'm wrong two years um, he's two years will they pick up his fifth year option okay so all right, there's so actually, no doubt that they pick up his fifth year option at this point Sure, sure, sure. So, all right, let's say, so if you're the Browns, right, and you're looking to extend Baker Mayfield, give him an extension, are, are you, are you, is that something you're thinking about right now, or is that something you'd wait on? Because just to kind of paint the picture here really quick, you know, if you pay Baker now, right, you might be able to get him cheaper than if you were to wait a year or two. Let's say, let's say Baker balls out next year and brings us to a Super Bowl, right? Like, that dude's going to be demanding $40 million a year, you know, come this time next year. Whereas if you extend him now, which may or may not even be an option, but if you extend him now, you're probably, you could probably get him down to 35, um, 30, 35 million in that range, which would be more affordable long-term. If you're, if you're the GM, if you're Andrew Barry, are you, are you trying to pay Baker Mayfield right now, or are you, are you waiting and writing it up? Well, a couple things. First off, you said, are you thinking about it right now or are you just going to like see how it plays out? I'm 100% thinking about it right now. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm offering him a contract. In my opinion, I would offer Baker a contract at the moment. 
Now, I think he's going to get better. Obviously, there's the chance he could get injured or have a down season because it's the National Football League, and you never know what's going to happen. That's the huge risk for this. But personally, I would give Baker a contract extension offer now because of a couple reasons. One, I think he's going to do better next year, and his market value would only go up. Two, there's other quarterbacks in his class, like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, and quarterbacks, they dictate their own market. So if they both ball out again next year and they get contracts before Baker, most likely Baker's going to want something similar or even more than them. So if they keep dictating that market, the Browns could be paying even more. So if I'm the Browns and I'm Andrew Barry, I'm going to give Baker a contract extension offer this offseason. Now, it's scary to think about that. But I, I think that's the best option for them moving forward. One more thing. I also don't think Baker would take a contract ascension this offseason. I think Baker's going to wait for, one, the market to rise with guys like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen getting similar contracts. And two, <laughs> Baker's the kind of guy that's going to bet on himself. He, he has that confidence. He has that swagger. And Baker probably thinks he's going to play well. He probably knows he's going to play well. And he he's knows that that contract's going to get bumped up after a great season. So I think the Browns' best bet would be to offer him. But in reality, I don't think anything would be worked out this offseason. Yeah, I, I agree with every single thing you just said there. To a T, I, I think Baker, I, I think we talked about this the other day. Like, I don't really see a situation where Baker really declines significantly. I realize that you never know what's going to happen, right? But, like, there's really, I mean, you got the coach seemingly secured, right, with Kevin Stefanski. You got, you know, he's been in this, it'll be a second year in this system for the first time in his career. So I really don't feel like, and the Browns aren't losing anyone major, so I really don't feel like Baker regress. If anything, I think he just kind of, you know, continues on the, the path he's going. So, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I, I, I honestly wouldn't expect him to take a, a contract extension because I think, like you mentioned it, like there's going to be a competition between Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Baker Mayfield for who gets paid the most, right? Because, like, they're all looking. They're all in the same class. They all want to be the best, right? They're looking at each other and saying, hey, like, my boy Josh Allen just got $40 million a year. I, you know, if this is Lamar, right, he's like, I, I want an MVP in my second year. I want more than him, right? So it'll be interesting to, to see how that plays out. I think a, a fat contract for Baker is inevitable. Yeah, if you can shave five, five or ten million off that by by signing him early, that, that is absolutely something to look into. And also, like you said yesterday, Josh Rosen is most likely going to get like fifty million a year, so he's really going to push that market. <laughs> And the last thing that we're going to touch on this episode, guys, is our free agents that we've been talking about on Twitter, that we've been tweeting about. And the first guy that we tweeted about was kicker Yonghui Koo, who was one of the best kickers in the NFL last year, went 8 from 8 for 50 yards, and the Browns could really use a kicker that could kick from 50-plus. We saw how that didn't work this year with Cody Parkey, but it would be really valuable to have a guy that could kick a late-game field goal from plus 50. Yeah, Yonghui Koo... I think it's kind of unrealistic that we get him just because I think he'll stay with the Falcons. I think the Falcons realize what they have, and I think he's kind of a homegrown guy. Like, the Falcons bet on him. So I don't expect to see him leaving. However, he made a decent offer. 
I definitely think it could be worth it. Uh, the next guy on our on our free agents list is a hometown guy, Olivier Vernon. This guy, I don't think we'll bring him back. He obviously tore his Achilles, and he'll probably be looking for decent money. So yeah, I don't I don't expect the Browns to bring Vernon back, but he is an option at defensive end. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he was a monster at the end of last season, but like, tearing your Achilles is a really hard injury to come back from, especially when you're 31. So I think the Browns will look a different way. Maybe if it was a different offseason and he was coming back a bit earlier, they would maybe tr- kind of take him on a cheaper deal, but I, I just don't think the situation works out. The next free agent is Justin Simmons. Simmons has been one of the best safeties in the NFL recently. He ranked 8th among safeties per PFF this past year. I, I think this would be a good deal for the Browns. It would be pretty expensive, though. Yeah, again, it's tough. You you could you weren't you wouldn't be able to sign Simmons and like a Watt, for example, because Simmons would be a pretty expensive guy. Uh, like you said, he's been just absolutely lights out at safety over the last couple of years. So as much as I'd love to see it, probably unlikely. The next guy that the Browns could look into re-signing is Larry Ogunjobi, another home hometown guy. He ranked third in tackles for loss, fifth in sacks, and fifth in quarterback hits in the Browns' defense last year. And he's really just a hard worker. You know, they got Jordan Elliott, who was their draft pick last year, I want to say? Yeah, last year. Um, and Yeah, so and he actually showed a lot of promise. I think a lot of the guys in the locker room like him. But let's say Ogunjobi was to leave, you got, you're, you're pretty thin at defensive tackle. So that'll be something to watch for sure. Yeah, I definitely could see the Browns bringing back Joby on more of a team-friendly deal. He didn't have an amazing season, but that's because he was also playing out of position. So if the Browns could go out and add another defensive tackle and maybe bring Joby back, I think they would be sitting good at the tackle position on defense. Our next free agent is Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman only played five games this past year because he had a calf injury, but two years ago he was the number one graded corner per PFF. He played with Joe Woods back in San Francisco last year when Joe Woods was their secondary coach. It would be a great reunion, and I think it would be an awesome pickup for the Browns in their secondary. Yeah, I would love this as long as it's not a very expensive contract. Richard Sherman, obviously his best days are behind him, but like you said, could still be a very valuable player for the Browns just due to experience. So the next guy is John Johnson III. This is a name that a lot of people don't recognize. He kind of burst under the scene this year, ranking third among safeties uh, per PFF and allowed zero touchdowns on 68 targets. He was a, he was abs- an absolute this year, um, and would love to see. This is I think one of the most uh, realistic. I'll let you kind of speak on that, but I, I think the Browns could could seriously make a move on, and I think he could. You know, this is one our guys that could end up being a huge sleeper. Yeah, I would love to see the Browns bring in Johnson. Johnson's market value is kind of rising right now because the word on the street is how good he is. And I think it would be a little more realistic to bring in someone like him with someone like Watt, but his value could soar. I think teams will bid for him, and eventually it could outprice the Browns. But this would be great for the secondary the thing is, also, Ronnie Harrison is really good in pass coverage. I kind of want to see the Browns target someone who's good against the run in the safety position, but Johnson would be another invaluable piece that the Browns could have in coverage. Our next free agent is a fan favorite and favorite of ours, 
is Rashard Hollywood Higgins. And Higgins was great this year for the Browns. He was like the leading receiver the second half of the season. And he just has an, an inarguable gel with Baker Mayfield that goes miles for this team. And I would love to see Hollywood back. Yeah, I think Hollywood is one of the biggest free agents that we need to resign. As far as our wide receiver core, he's been honestly kind of a staple over the last couple of years, even though he's had his ups and downs. But I would love to see Hollywood Higgins back in the brown and orange. The next guy I wanted to talk about was Anthony Harris of the Minnesota Vikings safety. He is, you know, he kind of had a down year last year. Prior to that, he was one of the best safeties in the league. I think at this time last year, we were talking about Anthony Harris, you know, as being one of the Browns' top targets. So I, I, I still believe that Harris has more juice in the tank. I think last year was kind of a, an off season. So I would love to see the Browns bring in a guy like him. Yeah, this would be another great addition for the Browns. Harris has been great in coverage. This past year, he didn't really have a good year, but that could bode well for the Browns with his market value dropping. The Browns tried to trade for him multiple times this past year in both the season and off season. And I think this would be a great pickup for the Browns. Our next Free agent is superstar safety Andrew Sandejo, who is a favorite of ours. Sandejo obviously had his big struggles this past year. I don't think the Browns will add him back. I did hear, though, that he was good in the locker room, a good leader, and obviously he was a high-effort guy. So I don't think it would be the end of the world if the Browns brought him back. I just wouldn't want to see them use him in the capacity that they did the past year. I just feel like Sandejo, I mean, he did have a couple decent games at the end of the season. I could see right, the Browns right. maybe bringing back for depth, but I don't expect him to be their starting option going into there. The next free agent that we're going to cover is Shaquille Barrett. I'm going to skip over J.J. Watt since we already kind of talked about him. But Shaquille Barrett of the Buccaneers, th- this dude's off court. Uh, he ranked 21st among edge defenders last year, which is not bad. But in, in 2019, he led the NFL in sacks with 19 and a half, and he was absolutely dominant all season in, in the Super Bowl. So Barrett, uh, while is you know pretty unlikely, I would love to see him in the brown and orange. Yeah, Barrett would be another great guy. Can bring a lot of pressure on the quarterback. I think he'll demand big money. A common theme among these guys that we've been showing were great one or two years ago and kind of had a down year this past year. I think that's good for the Browns because they can get these guys on cheaper deals. Another guy that kind of had a breakout year this year is Mike Hilton. And when our friend Mark came on the show, he was really raving about Mike. Mike would be a great asset for the Browns, especially in the slot and in coverage. He was all over the field for the Steelers this past year, one of the best sacking corners in the National Football League. And I think this would be a great add, and I don't think it would be too expensive. Yeah, Mike Hilton is another, another one of those slept-on guys. That dude balled for the Steelers last year. If, if the Browns sign him, A, you're getting a great player, and B, you're taking a great player off the Steelers. So I think that's a win-win. The next free agent that I want to just touch on is Marcus Williams of the Saints. Marcus Williams is only 24 years old. Over the last two seasons was the second highest graded safety per PFA. Another great guy at stopping the run as well. I think this just fits the Browns perfectly because he's a young guy, right? And then the Saints probably aren't – I mean, they could resign him, but their, their cap situation is such a mess right now that I have a feeling a lot of their primary free agents will be in the market. Yeah, and I think he would fit especially well just because of how good he is against the run, and the Browns could really use a safety that's good at stopping the run. 
I think it wouldn't be as much as someone like Justin Simmons either. So this could be a, someone that the Browns could seriously look at. And the last possible free agent that the Browns could sign is Von Miller. A big if here, though, if he is released by the Broncos. There's certainly a good chance he's released by the Broncos. He would be pretty expensive, but everyone knows how good Von Miller has been in the NFL. In 2019, he didn't have that good of a year, and last year he missed the whole season. So he's coming off of two basic down seasons, but he definitely would be a great add for this pass rush. Yeah, Don Miller scares me a little bit. I love I love him when he was in his prime, but two seasons in a row of kind of, you know, not not things going his way. He's older um, and he'd still probably be demanding decent money. I think there's a lot of risk there. There also is obviously potential for a lot of reward if he kind of, you know, finds his old self, but a lot of risk with Von Miller. So I'm not sure how realistic that is, but again, something to look at. And I believe that pretty much wraps up the episode for today. In our next Browns episode, we'll be talking a little bit more about the draft. We were considering doing some of that today, but I think we'll we'll save that for a later episode. Keep the fans waiting. And yeah, with was, that said, I think it was great recording again today. It was great being back. Quick shout out to Ryan Seacrest, and we will catch y'all soon. Stay hot, our friends. Peace. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Black Lions Beats on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Make sure you all go give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the hottest underscore take pod. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.